Okay, in today's video, I have a really special guest with me today. It's Dr. Jeremy from the NFTeach podcast. He's part of PackRip Media. You've probably seen him all over Twitter, spreading his knowledge about everything from Top Shot and now into much more variety of NFTs. Uh, he's one of my favorite podcasters personally. I think he makes an excellent interviewer. And so I feel very privileged to be able to have him on my show today. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Jeremy. Tandy, you're very kind. It's so nice to be here with you. I've been enjoying your content since you started making your short form videos, and I really enjoyed the stream this past Sunday. So uh, stoked to be here with you on this lovely evening. Yeah, great. And I was happy to have you there on the stream, too. You were a great uh, chat participant. I so, try to be active. If I'm going to be there, I want to give it my all, my friend. Absolutely. That's the right attitude for anything in life. Um, so the first the first question that I have for you is really just how did this all begin? How did this all start? I admit I did listen to your podcast with your friend from Chicago who I think he told you about it. Um, but maybe you can just bring us back a little bit. Tell us that story of how that all, how did this bug yeah. get to you? Yeah, I actually uh, just wrote a blog post that I think is going to get featured on Top Shot. Uh, cool. about the, about this, which, which my story is, is pretty weird. Uh, in December, I had a major spinal surgery. I had, uh, eight screws and four metal rods installed in my spine because I was getting compression on my nerves. Mm. Um, probably result of playing college football and, uh, you know, nailing people and getting nailed too many times on the, on the football field. And so, so yeah. Um, you know, I needed this surgery. So I got this surgery in December and I just wasn't recovering. Like I, I, I couldn't even into January, like I could barely walk. Wow. Um, I was going through physical therapy. And so the 14th or 21st, one of those, I think maybe the 14th, I, I went back to work for just like a limited portion of time. I'm a school principal, um, during the day. And when I got home, I felt terrible, which is kind of to be expected when you haven't physically worked in a, you know, a month and a half, but uh, when I got home, my like incision opened up and my wife looked at it and she's like, no, 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 this is not, this is not good. This is not yeah. just like, you know, some fluid above the wound. Like this is like the coloration is not good. So it turned out I had a staph infection. And oh, so man. I ended up having like three to four more surgeries um, oh. all in the month of January where they would literally install a physical vacuum inside my spine to suck out the infection. And it would go off. Like every time there was fluid, it would just turn on and go off. So you can imagine feeling that in your body, right? It's just like oh. weird. And so, you know, I, I had to deal with that for, they only could put it in for a week at a time. So they would put it in through a surgery, you know, I have to put me under anesthesia. And then if they would check my blood levels and if the infection was down enough, they would say, okay, you're finished, but it didn't, they had to keep doing this. So it was really rough. And so yeah. into February, um, even after I got done with the surgeries, then because of the infection, they wanted to put me on antibiotics for two times a day. So I would literally have to go to the hospital morning and evening and get put on an IV for 45 minutes. And I had to keep the cannula in my hand. Um, you know, to, so that they could just keep, keep giving me these antibiotics. So you're probably wondering what the hell does this have to do with top shot? Okay. I'm getting there. So, um, you know, part of it would be like, especially, you know, as I was recovering, like I could sleep, but I could sleep for only a couple hours at a time. And then I'd have to stand up and move around. I'd get stiff, you know, 
And uh, I started to heal in February, but I was still, I wasn't back to 100. I'm still not probably back at 100%, but I was, I was still getting through it. And so like a late February night, I was um, checking, my, I used, usually listen to Chicago Sports Talk Radio. And mm -hmm. um, my, one of my favorite hosts, the station's called The Score, Danny Parkins, it's the afternoon drive host. And he had a segment. It was in podcast form because I couldn't get it live, obviously, because I'm in Dubai. Um, and it was NBA Top Shot, YouTube. It was like YouTube videos on the blockchain. And I had always been really interested in blockchain because I, I had become sort of a, a expert in the Middle East on explaining and demystifying blockchain to educators and getting them to understand why that technology is much more potentially disruptive than like VR. As an example, no shade to VR at uh, for Desert Minter if he's listening. Like I don't, he's the VR king. So, um, but I, so I had been really into blockchain. So, actually, for me, I could give two flips about crypto. I've never been a crypto investor. I've never been like stacking BTC or any of that. I just was into the, the like the potential disruption that blockchain could bring across all industries. Mm. So when I saw the, the podcast description, I was instantly like, whoa, this is right up my alley. It's like, mm. it's sports, which I love. It's blockchain based, which I'm super into. Um, and it didn't mention anything about crypto. So for me, it was like perfect trifecta. So uh, that night I listened to the podcast and I was blown away. Um, they had, uh, I forget who the guest that they had on was. Um, but it was really, really interesting. So I immediately signed up. It took a couple of days to get in. And then uh, a couple of days later, it was seeing stars pack drop. I got a pack. I got a 309 Steph Curry. And then the rest was history. I was just hooked and I never sold. I, I held everything. I, I, you know, I think I thought I was really bullish on it long term. And so like then I guess the next step was that then I, I started looking at OpenSea uh, because the reason I ended up on OpenSea is because I'd saw, seen a news article that Rob Gronkowski had created his own NFT and it was listed on OpenSea. And this I is that. this is early March, I think. So it's still really early. And I'm like, I'm looking on OpenSea and I remember seeing this, like I remember seeing a lot of bad art on there and it was priced high and it was selling. And I just, in my head, I go, you know, as an educator, I'm always thinking about, how do we make learning real? How do we empower children to feel like they can do and they're they're capable? Which, so then it led me to, I asked my son, you know, he likes to draw. And I said, well, do you want to try like, I'll figure out how to mint on this, but do you want to try like making something and putting it on here? Look at, and, look at, the, look at the caption. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And so, uh, you know, I, he said, yeah. And so he made an avocado. Uh, actually he made a, he, he started by making animals that were dressed like superheroes, like super bunny, super cat, super rabbit. And then he decided to make an avocado collection after he started to see when I would show him on Twitter, like these waves of collections where they were similar, but different styles, you know? And, and so he made this avocado collection and he sold a bunch of them. Uh, and I think what it, what it did for me in two forms, the first was that I saw my son after the first sale go like after the first sale, he was like, Oh, someone probably just bought it on an accident, you know? And then, then he just started to expect it to sell. You know, he had a lot more confidence and the transcendent part for me was like, he started to view himself as an artist, not as a child artist. And then it sort of made me think about all the things that schools do that actually don't, that, that are proof that they don't believe in children at all. And I'll give you an easy example of this sure. uh, without going down the educational rabbit hole too far, sure, Andy. Sure. Uh, 
like the science fair is a great example. Like the science fair or the art fair at the school, we make the kids, other kids come, we make parents come. It's not, the art isn't put in a gallery in the public. It's at the school. It's like the audience is captive. And I think like it, the, the root of that is that we actually don't believe that kids can do high level, high quality art. Because if we, we would not treat a professional artist like, oh, let's just put your art up at the school. No, you would do a gallery and you'd make a big mm -hmm. event at it. Mm -hmm. and, and so it hit me in that moment that a lot of the structures that are in schools actually are proof that adults subconsciously don't believe that kids can do. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it changed my mindset on sort of the things that schools teach. And it made me realize that even though my child's at an outstanding school with great teachers, two loving parents, the only reason he was getting this ability to believe in himself was because I was knowledgeable about this technology. And, and so then that started to make me think a lot about how, uh, how, how transcendent NFTs could be on a larger scale for everyone. Hmm. Um, and, and I think then, you know, um, there's an episode of NFT I did. It's my least listened to episode, which is a real shame because it's with uh, Laura from Africa to the world. And she's talking about how, you know, as a creative in Uganda, there's not a lot of options for what right. you can do and how creating NFTs has changed her and her friend's life. She talks about how her friend cried like a baby the first time he sold something for 0.02 or 0.03. Because wow. that that was just a life-changing experience to me. And I think that lost in this whole boom of avatars and, you know, smashing the floor and all of this is that this technology is really changing people's lives. And I, I don't think people think about that because they're chasing 10Xs or they're worried about their moment ranks account valuation. But for me, I look at it a little differently. I look at it as, a, as an ability to create equity for artists and creators all around the world. And that's really exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And the way that an artist nowadays, like you said, just didn't have outlets. And now all of a sudden there's little, they can snap their fingers and have thousands of people FOMOing into their art. It's just, I've, we've never seen anything like this before. Um, I was going to ask you about that minting process actually a little bit about how that was, what that was like with your kid and what, what you learned, if anything, from that. Um, I think that it's one of those where, it's not very hard. You, you know, it, you have to, if you've never used your wallet on OpenSea, you have to basically gas your wallet and like do one interaction to post, to mint once. And then once you mint one time, it doesn't cost you to mint anymore on OpenSea. Mm. So it's actually a pretty easy process to do. Um, a lot of it though, I think what Americans don't realize in particular is that crypto, depending on what country you live in, the regulations around how you can get crypto can be a little more difficult. Like in my country, in the UAE, it's not easy. So mm. I had to use the, the only way that I can do it is by using a wallet called Taurus. And then I have to buy it through Taurus and then I have to transfer it to MetaMask. So mm. it's, you know, it's not as simple as it is in the States where you can you just go on Coinbase and you can you know, do whatever you want. So right. no, actually the minting process is remarkably easy. And yeah, I think it sounds like it would be like, oh, you're writing smart contracts. No, 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 no. You're uploading a file. You're hitting a, hitting a couple buttons with your wallet and then it's up. And is your son, is he going to keep drawing avocados? Does he have any no, other ideas? No, he's, he's making tomatoes now. He, okay. uh, after he got his iPad, we're home for vacation, seeing family. And so he's already made several, but he had to learn because he changed apps. He was working on a school-based app that was kind of like, um, it was amateurish. 
and now he's on Procreate mm, and he's right. using an Apple pencil because he earned it, you know, Beautiful. with his with his earnings. And so he's sort of learning, but he's made some tomatoes. They look cool. My niece also uh, has made cacti. They're really cool. In fact, uh, I can't believe that this Cubs one is still around. Like it's it's really good. I'll I'll let you see what those look like. Uh, so it's become sort of, uh, you know, it's become a thing in my family. It's like uh, the kids are creators. And uh, I don't know, it's been really powerful to see. And now my five-year-old's like, well, when are you going to sell my art? <laughs> and uh, one of the funniest pieces that my seven-year-old did that him and his brother were on the school bus waiting to come home. He he took a picture of him, of his brother, and then turned him into his version of a bored ape. Like he just changed everything about his physical appearance. Uh, and then he asked me to mint it. So you can imagine the brotherly fight at home as like, don't don't sell that picture of me on the internet. And of course we minted it. It's still there. It's called it's called like Brothers Ape Yacht Club or something. All right. Um, but but you know, like it's cool to see it's cool to see them believe, especially my seven-year-old, that he can do at a young age. And again, he's in a great school with like world-class teachers. Honestly, he's like in a top 1% private school in the world, right? Mm. But he's still not getting those messages that he can, despite all of the amazing things that his school does. So I think it's, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for the educational space. And um, I am doing some work with uh, uh, the folks on Aku on the education side. I have a call with the person who's leading their education team. So I'm excited about NFTs in education and what that can mean for artists, young artists, high school artists, people all over the world. Yeah. Uh, what, what vision do you have actually? Cause I'm, I'm trying, I have a friend who's also a teacher and I definitely get the idea of being able to connect the students to like the outside world and give them more exposure, give their art more exposure. Um, but is there any other aspect of that, that you have in mind that you feel like yeah. the future? Yeah. I, th I think there's a lot that, that I think the, see what I've learned before, before NFTs, was that whenever I would try to explain blockchain to someone, and I, I'm good at explaining how blockchain works. I have a, a whole metaphor for it. It's really simple to understand, right? People would always want to be reductive and call it Bitcoin, like mm -hmm. blockchain equaled Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And now what I worry is that, you know, blockchain equals NFT. And, mm -hmm. well, you know, I think there's a lot around DeFi and people being unbanked in parts of the world and decentralization that actually should be the stuff that's taught in social studies classes. Like there, there, there should be coursework around why are so many people unbanked in the world? You know, why is El Salvador considering a cryptocurrency for their, their national currency? Like, I think these conversations should happen first to help people understand why someone doesn't want KYC or AML or, you know, like th there's a whole sort of, and I think that that's going to be the challenge because I don't believe that this can stay decentralized at its core. Mm -hmm. I think that it's all going to be KYC. It's all going to be centralized by the, by the U S government in particular. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of why crypto started was so that people could be anonymous and protect, you know, their assets. And so, um, I think there's a lot into blockchain and crypto that beyond Lambos and chasing 10Xs, there's a lot there that I think um, kids have no idea about, you know, and, and I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it is going to shape the jobs that are going to be coming in the next 5, 10, 15 years. 
So I think as, a, as, as an educator, it would be great if we could expose them to some of these techno technological waves that are really going to impact kids in the future instead of what I would describe as superficial and cute technology. Like remember the whole let's make everyone a coder movement that was I going knew. on for a while? Yeah. Like, like to be honest, coding is not a high paying job and it's not something that everyone needs to know how to do. So there's a lot of, I think, misguided kind of like there's sexy topics in education that people think that people need to do. And then there's things like financial literacy and exponential technologies that really no one's teaching that I would argue are pretty important. Um, mm. I would say environmental studies and understanding our impact on the earth is pretty important. Yet yeah. there's no real high school science class in, in uh, the United States that's dedicated to how we as humans impact the environment. So I think there's a lot that um, in the educational model could probably be scrapped for something a little more practical and useful. Absolutely. I don't know how we take it from there to pictures of bears. Like, like, <laughs> well, where else would we go, Tandy? It's the only next place, oh, man. man. I, feel like, I feel like that was very heady, and now we're about to start talking about cartoons. Um, feels a little disjointed, but... Let's do it. <laughs> it is what it is. So you talked about going on OpenSea after Top Shot and seeing like the Rob Gronkowski NFTs. What was your first NFT that you bought that wasn't a Top Shot moment? Oh. My first NFT that wasn't a Top Shot moment. Oh, it was a hundred percent. It was a low effort punk, and it's still my favorite to this day. It's still my favorite community, even more than the Top Shot community. And if you're not familiar with low effort punks, it was this. It's this guy who decided he was going to, in less than sixty seconds, make his own crypto punk, basically. And he is the funniest Twitter follow. The Discord's hilarious. The people and what's crazy is it's slow rising, man. The Florons the are like are going half ETH, you know, really? 0.75. It's the project is moving because the community, there's no utility at all. Um, there's there's nothing happening in terms of uh, you know, like they're they're not airdropping things, that, but it's just uh the fact that like the the community itself is fun to be a part of. Like I enjoy interacting with them and I couldn't sell my LEP because like I couldn't be a part of that community or I'd have to buy another one, you know? Um, so I think they, that was the first one I bought. It's still my favorite to this day. Um, the other one I really like uh, is retro cassettes by Africa to the world. Uh, yeah, I'm really a big that. fan of that project because it's so clean. It's so simple. Uh, and I'm just a, a fan of her. So cool. I'll make anything she makes. I'll mint. And even her new project is minting at 0.02, which is my Jer Dr. Jeremy sweet spot for any NFT project. If it's over yeah, 0.02, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. So, so no, I, I'm. I think that was my first one. It's still my favorite to this day. So it's, it seems then that what you look for in a project is the utility of of a strong, funny, meme filled community. I put a tweet up tonight that was like, I, I searched on OpenSea for the floor price for low effort punks and it just said Lambo. Like there's something that is, it's satirical and like making fun of this chasing 10X, getting rich stuff that um, is cool. I'm happy for people that are, are having great success. But I guess for me, I don't ever really expect that I'm, I'm too risk averse as a human being to keep dropping 0.08, you know, on all these different avatar projects, even if they could a hundred, like, it's just not me. And when I have to explain to my wife that I spent X dollars on, you know, an elephant or something, like, it's just not where if I'm saying like, I'm spending $40, like it's a lot more reasonable. Um, 
it's still pretty crazy when you think about it. If you zoom out and say, you know, just bought a JPEG of a, um, a one minute drawing of a punk, it seems a little <laughs> silly. Um, so no, I mean, I think like for me, I'm just, I'm a little more risk averse. And there are times where I feel like I am missing out on stuff, but the stress of like not being overextended and overextended isn't about how much money I have and how much I could spend. It's more about like my love. I want to enjoy being in the space and I don't right. want the, the thrill of 10 Xing will never compare to the stress of not 10 Xing. And for me, I just want to continue to enjoy my time. And I feel like my purpose is not to get rich in this space. My purpose is to bring education into this space. So yeah. I think I have a real clarity on why I'm here. Um, and it's, if I, if I hit on something, it'd be awesome, but that's just not really my focus, uh, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I think that, I think you're definitely in a minority in this space. I think that the, this space is very much about 10 Xing, I think at, at, at this current juncture, um, but that's great because we need we need all types of people. And, and well, well, you, but like with Top Shot, right? Me. Like Top yeah. Shot, there's a real sentimentality to it for me because when I was going through all this stuff with my back, Top Shot was my hobby. Like right. that was what I would get excited about or look forward to. And so, the, you know, um, I write about this in the blog that's going uh, on on to Top Shot. But like I started with that seeing stars, and so I just finished seeing stars like a week ago. Oh, and cool. it really felt cathartic to me. It sounds stupid mm. to say that, but it really felt for me like, like kind of like this was part of my recovery. You know, I mm. went through mm. collecting this set and getting the LeBron and the KD. Like um, it took a long time. Wasn't something that happened quickly. Um, so th there's, there's a sentimentality to it for me. And I am super bullish long-term on Top Shot because the people are too smart that are involved. Absolutely. The, the license behind it is too strong. So I know people have been really down and I, of course, people losing money is terrible. I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry for anyone who's losing. Um, but I think my whole view from the start was I was never going to put anything into this that I was, wasn't okay with just totally losing, you know? Yeah. And, no, that's a smart uh, thing. <laughs> and, and I, and I plan to give my top shot collection to my kids and that's it's, great. it is something kind of like what Joe Swam talks about where like, is something of a bonding thing. NFTs have become something of a bonding thing with my kids and with my uh, nieces and nephews. And so, you know, my, I, I am probably in the minority and I'm not objecting to getting rich off, you know, some PFP. Um, but I think the fact that it's not, I know myself well enough to know that I would be too stressed out about being, you know, not making something back or, or, you know, taking a big shot. I'm not a gambler either. If I go to the casino, I pay, I play penny slots. So it's my persona through and through to be minting at 0.02. It's just me. Well then, you know, stay true to who you are. That's what's important. Um, yeah, I mean, my personal story is I was on the other side of that equation. I actually worked at an online poker company in the past, so <laughs> I, I was willing to throw a bunch of chips in. Top Shot hasn't worked out very well, but you know, you kind of have to live with the decisions you make in life. But let's let's talk next about something you tweeted the other day, which was you are not a fan. You you think the profile picture avatars are coming to a close? Is what it appeared that you were saying. Um, so explain, explain if you still feel that way, especially as we continually see projects FOMO and sell out and how, how, how near term are you thinking when you say that you don't think that this is going to be a lasting trend? I, I think that it'll last, but I think it's going to go through the same sort of supply and demand bottleneck that Top Shot went through, which was, you know, um, when when people's intentions are to make money, 
it becomes susceptible to bad actors. It becomes susceptible to market manipulation. Uh, it gets susceptible to influencers. It, it it just is ripe for. And I, I just did a podcast episode with Desert Minter on on scams, right? And, and I, you know, I, I think that the, the overall the NFT space will continue to grow. But I, you know, the other part of it for me is like I look at Stoner Cats and um, I look at that project with Ashton Kutcher and Chris right. Rock and all these people involved. And I also feel like there is this sort of potential that if celebrities push down into this space at the same time that mass people adopt, that the little guy artists can get killed in this too. And sure. I think there's a real possibility of that. You know, um, yeah. would people have bought board if it was mass appeal and it was board apes or it was stoner cats and they were the same price, most mm. people are going to bet on Ashton Kutcher, you know? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and so, um, and I think similar to top shot, right? Like, you know, we look, why do we feel confidence in Top Shot? A lot of us look at it because the NBA is involved, right? So um, there's a difference between the Mike Tyson NFT where he just like shows up on Twitter with a Cool Cats profile photo out of nowhere. And it's kind of like, okay, cash grab, cool. And a difference between them being creators and owners of of these, you know? And, right. and I don't know. I just think like it's not, I mean, what would be the, if it continues at this exponential rate, like what's going to happen? And then I think the other thing that has a potential to disrupt the space mightily is once Ethereum moves to, uh, you know, proof of stake and mm -hmm. you lose gas, the gas isn't a thing anymore. And then mm -hmm. the value of Ethereum goes up. Now 0.02 isn't $40 anymore. 0.02 is $80, which means mm -hmm. 0.08 is four times. I just think that there's too much, um, there's, there's too much, sort of variables involved for it to continue as it is. And, uh, you know, I hope every no one gets hurt in all this, but I just, I mean, I think, can we look at Top Shot and say, this is the NBA behind it, the players associated behind it, really smart people involved, and they're going through a winter right now. And right. if they can go through it, I'm sure that, you know, angry anteaters can go through it and whatever animal that comes out tomorrow. So I like these projects. Like uh, I'm still buying NFTs. I'm going to buy Jenkins, the valet tonight. Um, so, no, I mean, gonna, I, I'm show that in a minute, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I don't like these NFTs or I don't think there's really interesting stuff that's happening, but I do think that the teams who are making them are going to have to get more creative. It's not going to be enough to just say, we're going to airdrop you something in two weeks. And then, you know, there's going to be a game like, yeah, you're going to have to bring more than that to the table because everyone's got that. And as we've learned with Top Shot, when the sky high valuations fall, what will be left will be people who are true collectors. And, you know, it's you're going to have to have more than speculative value to drive this thing, just like Top Shot is learning now. It's not just about getting a quick flip, you know, and uh, I think that the PFP stuff will go through the same thing. I think you're right. Um the only, the only thing I want your opinion on, though, on that is that obviously the PFP, if we're looking project by project, it's a fixed circulation. Whereas I think what Doom Top Shot was they made a mistake or they just they understood. It, it was the base packs, the right? What, it, I mean, to me, where Top Shot really went off the rails in the spring was the weekly packs. Yeah. That was, and, and that was where. That. And you know why they did that? Yeah. Yeah. Because they can get more people involved. They can get. You know, uh, they can get the masses to come. I understand it, but you're right. Except that the ask for a Top Shot moment or a pack is three dollars to nine dollars. The ask mm -hmm. for one of these tokens, these PFP tokens, could be 
$40 to $340 or $1,000 if we're talking stoner cat. So the, you know, the ask is it's like, it's like a, a hollow just to get in, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I think the, the barrier to entry is so much lower in top shot. And the fact that it doesn't require crypto makes mm -hmm. it so much easier that, uh, you know, I, 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 it's not the same, but I think they're going to have similar issues. Okay. Fair enough. And so writing that question, what do you think is the next wave of NFTs? What, what, it, we're, once we go past these profile pictures, what's next? I think Jenkins is it. I, I think like, if, if you listen to the interview I did with him, the first thing I said was, this is the, this is the best, in, this is the best episode I've ever done. Really? Not because I did anything marvelous or interesting, but just because what Jenkins is look think. Okay. I want you to think about all the levels to this one mm -hmm. Jenkins is an NFT from another established NFT series. So he is a board ape. So right. you're already one level deep, right? That it's, it's a derivative, but when we talk about like crypto funks and these like kind of knockoff derivatives of trying to chase a quick buck or be cute, like what he's doing is doing a community generated book right. where other apes can license their apes into the story. People get to vote over the, the sort of turns of, of where the story goes. There's a certain level of ownership over the story itself. And I think that for me, I want to support that project, not because I think it's going to 5X. I want to support it because I want to support teams that are doing something different in the space and moving us past, you know, um, you know, rinse, repeat with right. these sort of things. What Board Ape did will never be done again. Really? Yeah, never. You mean just it, the valuation jump or what do you mean? I mean... They were the first team to introduce utility in an NFT project. Like okay. in, in not maybe in like, um, you know, uh, Top Shot was always going to, you know, do the DFS and have things going on. But what Bored Ape did, think about what, what CryptoPunks did. CryptoPunks didn't give IP to anybody. Right, they didn't. Bored Ape said, this ape is yours. Right. And then like there's a, a sort of duality between you know, in, in early, I think it was in June where like people were making physical merch. Board Ape was making physical merch. It was selling for tens of thousands of dollars on eBay. I saw and, that. And, and then people were selling the merch to buy more apes. It It's like, and there's so much creativity within that community. Like, right. I think that, I, I think that community could have a Netflix show. I think mm -hmm. that, I, and you see the types of people that are aping in. I think I saw the other day that like the CEO of Disney has wow. one and was at a meetup in LA for the, so it, it, I, um, I just think that what they've done can never be repeated. And anyone who tries to repeat it, they need to do something else because, mm -hmm. you know, now take Jenkins as an example. Jenkins is going to do this, this whole project, uh, and it's a community generated book. It's totally different than what these other just PFPs are. And I, and I think that everything within that community is gold to me. Like um, they can't miss. And so I think that the problem is instead of people trying to innovate and be creative, they're trying to be the next ape and they're never going to be because there's only one, you know, it would, it's, it's kind of like when uh, Panini comes out with these basketball cards, right? They're, you won't be top shot because you can't do the moment and the moment is the moment. So you need to bring something else to the table. And as much as everyone craps on tops and I, I do, and I crap on wax all the time because it's terrible. Um, they at least had this idea of like, 
if you had certain players, you could like Minecraft them, you know, in crafting and Minecraft, you could craft them into like a 1951 Redux version of that same play. Like they had some cool stuff that they were trying, which was, it was different, you know? Um, right. So I, I think like the problem is that these people are trying to be the next ape and there never will be another board ape. I kicked myself yeah. for missing out on that all the time, not yeah. because of the valuation, because I wouldn't sell it. I wouldn't sell it for anything because hmm. the, 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 I think the holders of them, there's over 5,000 now. Yeah, so I, I mean, that. at some point it's going to be fully one-to-one and that's crazy to me. Uh, I am part of the DAO, though, um, the Ape DAO. Um, and that's if you look at my Twitter bio, there's this thing that says APED, uh, yeah, which I is saw that. I saw which that. represents the Ape DAO, which is, I, I think, 79 apes and uh, several CryptoPunks and some Arabian camels. And it basically, this, uh, this guy, Kylo Ren, uh, put all this together in one pot and then broke it into fractions of shares, and you could buy that. And so I am aped in there. So, so what, what was that? Because I think I remember hearing about that. Was did he just sell it? He minted fractions of it. No. So if you go to ApeDAO on Twitter, you can kind of see it. There's a place called Nifdex, which allows you to take NFT assets and then fractionalize them. Hmm. And this is part of the thing about N NFTs that people don't realize. Like, and I, I said this the other day. You and like the ape community is strong, and there's ten thousand people in it, right? Mm -hmm. ish i mean there's less than that because there, there's like my my dao has 70 some apes in it alone but what happens when every ape holder decides they're going to fractionalize theirs and now you have an infinite number of people in the board ape yacht club right because right. technically i am an ape owner even though i don't own a whole ape i am part of the board ape community is yeah. being part of the dao and getting into the dao again and i, I want to preach this to the nft audiences like it cost me like $25 for the shares I bought in the Dow. It was yeah. not super expensive. And it was something that I was excited to get in on. And those shares have, I think, five or six decks since I bought them. I wouldn't I wouldn't sell those either because people in the Dow gift, if you have a certain amount of shares, you get voting rights on, like if we decide we want to buy a LeBron Cosmic and you have enough shares in the Dow, you can put that forward to the community in Discord. They can vote and say yes or no. It's really, really interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I have seen that in communities as well. Talking about the, the community DAOs, and that's definitely a hot, um, a hot utility right now. Um, so we talked about why you're bearish. We talked about the next wave. Um, your minting budget, and then that brings us to Jenkins. We talked about that as well. So you are you're gonna go. You're gonna four x your normal minting budget. Have you talked to your wife about this already? Uh. <laughs> Kind of. Yeah. Um, I mean, she like for the most part knows how I am and knows and, and knows that I'm not going to overextend myself. So she doesn't know about every individual transaction, but there's sort of an implicit understanding between the two of us on what is okay and what is not. And sure. so doing this every once in a while is okay. Um, but you know, it's not, it's something that happens very rarely and sounds stupid, but it's just about how much I believe in the tally labs team and, and Jenkins, the valet and what they're doing, uh, yeah. that, that is making me break my normal rule and mint this project. Are you concerned by the way, about the gas tonight? Yeah, I am. I'm worried about it to be honest. Um, but the way they set up the smart contracts is that you can only mint three at a time, I think. Okay. So it should help to mitigate that, but I am worried about that. I, I did send a DM to those guys tonight about it and wish them luck, and hopefully it'll settle down by the time um, 2 a.m. Dubai time comes for this uh, drop. Do, do you know if normally, and this is kind of related, but the gas, um, is it better to 
buy it in the beginning or is that when everyone is aping into a purchase and you should actually wait I, a little I, while? I don't know how gas works, to be honest with you. I don't know what makes the GWEI go up or go down. Um, in a lot of the discords, you can do like uh, upside down or exclamation mark gas and it'll tell you how high it mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Uh, so, so no, I don't know what the market conditions are, but you know, if they don't move toward gasless transactions soon, OpenSea is going to have a real problem because there's a lot of other marketplaces that are figuring out ways around it. And, uh, you know, Nifty's uses Palm, the one that did the Space Jam, uh, mm. project. And while their marketplace is clunky and it's getting figured out, Palm is pretty much a costless transaction. That happens instantly on Ethereum blockchain. So you know it, it's it's one of those where you, you know this announcement that they're I think it was like August fifth they're going to move toward um, getting gasless transactions or doing something with that. That has to happen soon because they're gonna you're gonna have some real issues with competitors coming into the space and making it easier to mint. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And uh, I bought the chicken run or what they called again the. Those chickens that race. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chickens. And that, that oh, was cool. on Polygon, actually. And that was like no gas fee whatsoever. Yeah. Um, another project I don't know if you've heard of is Crypto Raiders. So actually, I, I would pose that question to you. If, if what, what do you think about gaming in NFTs? Do you think that that could potentially be the next thing? Yeah, so I do. Um, what Axie is doing, I have a, uh, a friend here who's uh, in, who's from the Philippines. She you know, is someone who's close with our family and she knows I'm super into NFTs and she was over Friday and she was saying, Hey, do you know anyone looking for Axie scholars? She has friends in the Philippines that are, are wanting to be Axie Like what that's doing for the economy in the Philippines in particular, it's crazy, right? Yeah. It's, it's the sort of heart of what decentralization is supposed to be about. And it's not so that Axie is expensive to get in, right? It, it's yeah. not. I've missed the boat on that, so I'm late. Um, but I play a game called League of Kingdoms with my. I, I, I signed up when you were tweeting about it, but then I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm just, I'm not this kind of a gamer. <laughs> I'm not that type of a gamer either. But what's interesting about it is that as you gather resources, you can mint them as NFTs on OpenSea and sell them. Um, and there is a token called DAI, which is if you own land as people build on the land, you earn crypto um, that you can use in game or just move to your wallet as a token. So I own land. I own the NFT land, the Packard Media land that uh, our alliance is built on. It is not my type of game. I'm a sports gamer, hardcore Madden. Um, I don't really even play 2K. It's pretty much just Madden and Fortnite actually. I'm the oldest, baldest, uh, worst spine having Fortnite player in the universe. Um, okay. But, but uh, like, so it's not my cup of tea. It has been nice to have this sort of honest interaction with the NFT audience and do something with them instead of it just be me talking at them all the time with my podcast. Like, like we're we're in the messenger in there and we're having fun. You know, our alliance is doing really. I think we moved up to 29th ranked in the world or something. Wow. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. It's not my cup of tea, but you know that that sort of owning land, owning virtual real estate. Um, selling your, your, because the thing about uh, League of Kingdoms is interesting is it's free to start. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unlike Axie, where there's this huge overhead to get involved, you know, you, you can start up for literally nothing on League of Kingdoms. And that was the other reason why I chose it. I didn't want there to be a barrier for participation for people. I, I wanted people to not feel overextended to, you know, interact. And uh, 
our alliance is crazy, man. Our, like right now, it's huge. There's people all over Packrip Media Land, um, and and we're working hard and getting ready for our next event this weekend. That's amazing. Packrip sent me a, a tweet that was like, "Well, how do we continue to get them to level up?" And it was just really you know, just kill people. Uh, that's <laughs> that's the way. Uh, which Swicky thought was really funny. Um, but you know, it's been fun, and you know. There's like a lot of prominent Top Shot collectors that are there. The Here for the Moments guys are there. Our new Packrip Media podcast that just got announced today. Oh, yeah, the the newest today. member. They're really fun. Uh, we had a great time recording on my podcast as well. I just posted an episode with them. Uh, okay. And then like Yuri Ridiculous, who's another Chicago area Top Shot collector is on there. Mm-hmm. And then takes it in and makes it is sort of our leader. He's the person that he started underneath me. And then he just totally like kicks butt at these type of games and he organizes us, sends us alliance messages so there's a lot of top shot collectors involved and it's just been fun to just play a game with them instead of it being this one-way stream of communication outward um yeah i think it's brought us closer together we're gonna start doing top shot giveaways for anyone in my alliance too which means you always have a one in 50 chance of of getting it which is pretty cool okay too. So, so should we should we try to tell anyone viewing this to go check out your alliance or something like that? What yeah, there's only two here? spots. There's only two spots left. So unless oh, you can talk, takes it in and makes it to kick someone out who's been inactive, because that's the rule. If you don't participate in seven days, you're booted. So League of you want right? Yeah, League of Kingdoms. League of Kingdoms. Um, yep. You want to you want to message takes it in and makes it on Twitter if you want to get involved. He is our leader, and he is the ultimate decision maker on if you are allowed in or not. So you should. Send him, I don't even know if it's a man, it could be a her. Send him or her a message and uh, go from there. So let's, let's get that in there for anybody listening who's interested. There's only two spots left on Dr. Jeremy's squad. Go do it. All right. Yeah, come on. Um, very good. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? Oh, I have one here. So I wonder if this is, has any reason why you created your budget in the first place, which is talking about some NFTs that you minted that didn't go so well. And I was looking through our old DMs. I saw that you mentioned actually Funks, and that actually yeah. that like went to the moon. And now I don't actually know what's going on with it. And then you wrote to me that you went like you like aped into Misfits. <laughs> no, no, no. So no? I I never bought a Misfit. I never oh, did. Yeah, okay. I, I I I I there are a lot of people aping into Misfits, and I went freaking crazy on my podcast about how terrible. The project was and it needed to be shot in the head and put down were my exact oh, words. So then I understood this a hundred percent wrong. Yes, no, but crypto funks <laughs> you're right on. And okay. now I, I think the crypto funks thing is really interesting because it is a low effort der- derivative by design. Mm-hmm. It's just flipping the crypt the crypto punk over. Um it was an homage, it was done in satire. I bought one, uh like 0.02 or 0.03. Um you know, it's delisted now, but you can sell it on other marketplaces like Rarible. Um, I'm going to hold it. I, 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 I just think long-term it'll probably have some value as sort of like a cult holding. Yeah. So I'm going to hold it for a while. And uh, do I think it is like some great project? No. Uh, do I think, do I understand why it could be delisted? Yes. But what I would say more than anything is it shows you that difference between Yuga Labs who designed Board Ape and Larva Labs who designed CryptoPunks because, you know, part of my issue is, okay, I have this flipped punk, this crypto funk. What if the owner of that crypto punk 
said, no, it's okay to do this derivative. Like in Board Ape, you know, that you I I can if you're a Board Ape holder, I can say, can I borrow your Board Ape and make some Marvel versions of them? And you can say yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem is that Larva Labs owns IP to your CryptoPunk, not you. Mm -hmm. So whether you as the owner say yes or no, it doesn't matter. Their DMCA shuts it down immediately. And mm -hmm. so I just think, I think Larva Labs is super lame and I would never support any project that they do. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that's the bigger statement in all of this than anything else. And, uh, you know, Yuga had to take some stones to like give everyone all of that, you know, you know, ownership of their IP, but boy, has it paid off. And um, like I said, no one will ever match what Yuga has done. They've, they've pitched a perfect game even still. And in NFT land, they've been at it now for, I think like six months, no, four months, four, four, three months. That's like a lifetime in an NFT project. So they're OG at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a low effort punk holder. I have a slum doge. Um, I have a, a Lamello ball. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, the NFTs that he minted. Yep. I got one of the, the cheap ones for that. I think it was 0.01. It was even, or 0.02. It was really cheap. Um, and then I have two fame ladies. I came mm -hmm. into some ETH uh, through okay. selling projects. My, my nieces, what happens is when my niece or my son sell a project, I cash them out and I keep the ETH. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had the ETH on hand. I bought two fame ladies and I really like those. I, you know, for me, I like the aesthetic of the art and I think it's going to be a good project long-term. So I'll hold that too. So I'm not really in any hurry to make a, a quick sale with anything, to be honest with you. Yeah, it appears like you're not much of a NFT flipper. I wouldn't categorize you in that. You you are someone who finds something you like and you hold on to it. Yeah, I I I think like for me again, I'm not everyone, you know, and everyone's differently. And you know, my friend Desert Mentor is flipping, and he's just doing absolute. He's killing it. He's doing great, you know. But for me. Um, I just, I don't want the stress, man. Yeah. You know, life is stressful enough and I want to enjoy, I want this to be a, a, a release for me. I want this to be a hobby for me where I can come and enjoy myself and be happy here. I don't want to be worrying, will the sell, will the sell, will the sell? And it, I mean, that probably sounds stupid to people, but for me, knowing myself, like I want to keep enjoying this and I don't want to be like, oh, I can't make a podcast because I'm like so stressed out about whether this elephant i bought sells at three i i don't want that it's just not worth it for me i'll make my money a different way um and you know go from there i think that's great honestly and i'm glad that i have you talking like that because i think that's honestly like i said earlier it's like a breath it's a breath of fresh air there's so few people in the nft space that actually think like you that's what i think i mean you can look at the top shot well, well like like if, if someone's new to the space right and yeah, they don't my have next a, question and, and they don't have a lot of money right? They can cautiously 0.02 spend and get into a bunch of different projects that are lower. Like Cool Cats was a 0.02 mint, yeah. you know, and that project has done really well. Yes. You know, it, will it take longer? Most likely. But if you're collecting stuff you love, just like Top Shot, it's the same thing, you know? Um, if you love the bulls, like I love the bulls, then you don't care about having a Tomas Sadoransky season one moment and how much it's going to become valuable. It's not of that much importance to you because you love the bulls. And, and I think like that's what's lost in the NFT stuff. If you like the art and you're cool keeping this and putting it on your my moments and having it displayed on your desk because you just like the aesthetic, like that's, that's enough. And when you're in it for 0.02, I feel like you can have this sense of, enjoyment in the art itself without having the fear of what it's going to be
be valued later. And, you know, for people that love the thrill of that, I'm not trying to discourage them out of that. I just know myself and what I'm comfortable with. And this is how I'm comfortable in this space. And I, I advise people that I just don't want people to get overextended because right. it can ruin something that's really beautiful and really fun and should give you a sense of enjoyment and relaxation. And it can turn it into another stressor in an already stressful life. Everyone's got stressors in their life. So that's just my sort of two cents on that. That's a great, that's a really great point. I think, I think a lot of people enjoy hearing this kind of an, uh, an opinion on here. So you mentioned the bulls. I want to give you a chance to talk about NBA free agency. <sighs> so yesterday we saw that the bulls picked up, they picked up, um, actually DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan from we the DeMar DeRozan. Yep. We oh. got, uh, yeah. one of my favorite players in the NBA cause he's a Texas A&M Aggie and I love the Aggies, which is Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. We got Lonzo. Um, it, it was just a really good, and we got, who else did we get? We got one more. Did you get from, did you get from, no, I know the Celtics lost Moses Brown. I got to look into how that happened. Lonzo. Oh no, maybe it was, it was just Lonzo DeRozan. And I mean, we got Vuk at the trade deadline. Right, so, that was, you know, that the squad and then Caruso. Yeah, that's right. So no, I mean, they, they just, like, Arturis is just, he's just a bad man. He, he has flipped that whole roster. Yeah, we have no draft picks until 2025 or something. I, yeah, but, okay. but I mean, that's okay. Because, you know, he has, for me, I want my team to be competitive. I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't need them to win championships every year. I'm practical. There's a one in 32 chance in the NFL that my, that my Chicago Bears will win. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I would love them for them to have a quarterback. Hopefully that's cured for me too. Um, but you know, I mean, for me, I, I just look at what the bulls done and I'm excited for the season. Now I feel like they will be in games and for Zach Levine. Okay, buddy, time for you to show that you're a max contract player. There's no more damn excuses that you don't have enough help. You got an all-star center. You got, you got Patrick Williams who can now move down to the four. You got the Rosen at the three. You got Lonzo at the one, and you got Kobe White that can play off ball at the two. Um, I really like it. And then you got Caruso who can come in, play better defense. Like, I really, I don't think they're a one seed. I think they're a three or a four seed, though. And, yeah. uh, you know, for people don't understand how embarrassing Jim Boylan was as a Bulls fan to have as a head coach. It was a clown show. And Garpax was terrible, too. I mean, how many rebuilds did, did Garpax get? They had Derrick Rose. They got lucky with Derrick Rose. I mean, they got that in the lottery. They shouldn't have had that statistically. They got him. And then they kept rebuilding around him, rebuilding around him. Then they lost him. Then they're, they're going to build young players. They're going to draft Lowry. And this, you know, I, I just feel like as a fan, I see a clear direction. We don't have a clown of a head coach anymore. And then like what I think the bigger thing is and in the NBA, as you know, players dictate where they go. And now Chicago is a destination for free agents where it flat out wasn't. And Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnaschovas have done an A++++ job in less than a year of making the Bulls palpable to a free agent. And that makes me super happy and excited for the season. Do I need them to win it all? No. But I know sure as hell they're going to be in the playoffs this year. And I'll get my playoff moments, my (laughs) Bulls playoff moments, finally. Um, so no, I'm really excited for what the bulls have done. I could give a rip about what anyone else has done in free agency because it doesn't compare to my Chicago bulls. That's great. And, and as a general NBA fan, I mean, I grew up in the time of Jordan and Pippen. So anytime the bulls are more relevant 
and and we can see that intro and hear that music you know as just a general fan i love it so i've watched I, the last dance in its entirety four times so like <laughs> it's a great my level well and and i have a sentimentality when it comes to things and so that was my childhood i remember my dad bring he worked in chicago i lived in the suburbs you know as a kid and he would come home from chicago with the the shirts with the caricatures of the players on it after they win those. the championship like i just have so many memories of them winning and watching it and being with my family that it 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 really sort of um it is my childhood you know those years the night first championship was in what 9091 i want to say or 91 92 so i mean i was like i was eight years old nine years old when they started winning so it was it a really sort of formative time for me so no i mean i don't care if the bulls ever win again because i know that getting those six championships is more than most people ever get in their lifetime you know yeah. uh i just want them to be competitive and uh, I want to be able to believe in the vision of the front office. And I, I am, I, I don't want to say I'd take a bullet for AK. I, I wouldn't, but I would think about it because he is the man. <laughs> Karnaschovas is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, whatever he needs, if you're listening, Arturis, just call me. I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'll help you out, man. Well, who knows? Maybe they, I mean, they actually just released an NFT, the Bulls. They released the rings and the different backgrounds, things like that. Um, but that's that's I great. worry about that a little bit though. On these like team NFTs. Yeah, because then you know, part of me collecting team sets is hoping for what the utility will be. Like I have mm. almost every bull other than the Jimmy Butler running back. It's the only one. But Pack Rip, but Ewing has promised to buy it for me if I get to one hundred thousand downloads by the end of the year. Okay. Um, so uh, <laughs> I think for for me, um, I worry that that like having all six rings may trump having a team set. I I don't think so, but there's just a little part of me that's concerned. Now, Dapper and Flo is managing that as well, I learned yesterday. So mm, okay. uh, I'm hopeful that there won't be any confluence there or, or do anything to, you know, interrupt the, the sort of utility that Top Shot's looking to bring. I would think, though, that um, there's enough room for utility. Maybe you're in this suite and the other people are in the other suite or something like that. I don't, I don't think it's Yeah, put me in a suite. I don't care which one. No problem. Yeah, think, you're 100% right. <laughs> I don't think it'll be one or the other. Um, well, that's really great. So, I mean, I think we covered a nice array of topics here. Where I know I already put it up there before, but tell people where they can find you and anything else you're working on. Yeah, um, rather than then pump me. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at jwilliamsnft. You can find my podcast and stuff anywhere you listen to podcasts. I just want to promote Africa to the World, Pineapples Day Out, her project, 0.02 Mint. She's got 5,000 of them. She's only sold 140 of them so far. Um, I just She's an artist I believe in. And if you're going to throw 0.08 at a, you know, a wolf or something, go throw 0.02 at this project because um, you know it means a lot to uh, a talented artist and i i just believe in her wholeheartedly long term any i don't care what she's minting i will buy some uh and and i think for me you know how like top shot is like you buy stock in a player like i think patrick williams is going to be a stud so i'm buying his four badge you know what i mean like i like to view the nfts like getting to know some of the artists as we sort of shift from being totally anonymous to starting to people starting to identify themselves like mm. getting to know them uh, like Jenkins, for an example, I don't know him, but you know, I, I do. I've interviewed him. Um, like, I want to bet on people in teams, you know, that are doing something different and are bringing something to the space that is is 
just good, you know, and it makes me feel good about getting involved. You know, my dream is to do my own NFT project with a 10,000 mint where 100% of, of the proceeds go to a charity, 100% of it, everything, you know, I, just because I think about how transcendent that could be. And I have a charity in mind um, for a friend who, who manages this uh, in another country, developing country. But like, I just think like the power of what we can do with this, if we just have a giving mind instead of a taking mind, uh, I just think it can be really, really transcendent for not just, you know, the NFT community, but for for others that could be impacted by, you know, kindness and donations and philanthropy through this, through the these NFT projects as well. And I'm not talking about giving five percent or ten percent of your one million Durham or one million dollars that you've made off a project. I'm talking about like put your money where your mouth is. Let's do a whole project. I I have the charity for you if you're a dev team listening to this. Let's go. Let's let's make. $1 million through the NFT community for people who need it. Uh, and, and let's all sleep a little bit better. Let's do something for others. And I think that was, is where I'd like to see this space go where it hasn't gone yet. So rather than pump me Africa to the world, check out Laura's stuff at pineapples day out and, and give that some love, uh, buy, buy one from her. Uh, I think you'll be really happy with your purchase. Awesome. That's great. And I, and I am totally on board as for another day, but I'm totally on board with what you're saying there about, all these millions coming in and how much use that that money can be had in other parts of the world, charities, and we're seeing it. And I, I, I do believe that's going to grow. And I actually have a meeting with someone around this topic this week for my day job. So I'm excited. I'm really excited about that area as well. Um, but Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time. I truly appreciate it. I truly enjoy seeing you on Twitter, listening to your podcast. I love when you pop into the to my first stream the other day. So I really, I really enjoy it. I will continue to support you and just thank you for taking the time. You know, it's, it's my pleasure, Tandy, but I, I think like, um, I've always been the type of person that looks to give. And I feel like you are, you are in, in creating your content with a pure heart. It's not about pumping your bag. It's not about being famous. You're just trying to get good information and, and create a space for people to interact. And so I'm a very, very proud supporter of your work and, and the good work that you're doing. And uh, just like I would invest in Laura, you know, I'm happy to support you with whatever you got going on. Uh, you make good stuff. You make, you make it lighthearted and fun, but I, I think you're doing a great job making your content. So keep it up, man. All right. Well, thank you so much. And until the next time. Until the next time.